This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a joy to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We appreciate you tuning in to watch today. Thank you if this is your first time. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to watch. Stay tuned today. We're going to be discussing this topic, Let the Redeemed Say So. Stay tuned as we discuss that today. Now, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course, and we want you to avail yourself of the opportunity and privilege of receiving this course. It's free now. It's not going to cost you. We're not going to send you a bill. We're not going to be asking for your money. We make this available so you can get to know your Bible. Now, in order that you might know about, more about the course, we're going to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible correspondence course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580. Or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. I'm reading now from the book of Psalms. We've been doing a series out of the book of Psalms and for the last number of programs, and we continue that today. And today we're in the 107th Psalm, and I'm going to read the first two passages out of this Psalm. O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I want you to think about that expression, if you will, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And in verse 1, he said, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. And so if you try to tie those two thoughts together, when we have been redeemed by the Lord, it's very difficult to stay quiet. Let the redeemed say so. And in the passage under consideration, he's talking about those who had been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. He goes on in the third verse and says that he's gathered them out of the lands from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. And they had been redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. When we think about our spiritual redemption, that's just a wonderful thing. One of the songs that I love to, uh, to sing and in worship is, I am redeemed. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. What a wonderful thing it is to be redeemed. And God's grace has a part in the redemption of the world. But as a matter of fact, without the grace of God, there would be no redemption. In Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 8 and 9, we read, For by grace are you saved through faith, that ought not of yourselves. But it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If any of us are redeemed from our sins, it will be because of the unmerited favor of God. 
It is because God looked down from heaven and God said, I want man to be saved. And he made a means or provided a, a way whereby we could be saved from our sins, that we could be redeemed by our, from our sins. And that is revealed for us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. And it's according to the riches of God's grace that we can be saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, how we ought to thank God for our redemption. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 15, thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift. There's no way for us to really express to, to God how we really feel about our redemption. And, and so, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And we are redeemed from sin. And if we ever stop and really think about what sin is and what sin leads to, then it will help us to have a greater appreciation for our redemption. And redemption means to be brought back out of the danger zone. To be redeemed means to be delivered from danger, to be delivered from captivity. And we were captives of the devil, slaves of the devil, servants of the devil. And because of Jesus Christ and what He did upon the cross of Calvary, because of the great love of God, you and I can be redeemed. And how we ought to express our, our thanks to God for so doing. Have you ever been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Have you ever had your sins washed away in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? There's some of you watching right now who know something's missing. Something is missing in your life. There seems to be a hole inside of you. And you're not sure what goes in that place in your life. Maybe you've been trying to fill up that empty feeling in your life with stuff, with things, and the American people have all kinds of things. They have everything you can imagine. Every time there's a new uh, gadget that comes out, people line up to get the gadget. Every time there's a new cell phone that comes out, people get in line to purchase that, every, that, that cell phone. Every time there's a new uh, tennis shoe comes out, the, people line up to get that. You see, we want things thinking that things are going to make us happy and that filling that empty place in our lives with stuff will make us happy. Solomon tried to find everything that would make him happy to find what a man should do all the days of his life, and he filled his life with stuff. He had wealth. He had power. He had prestige. He had everything you can imagine that would make an individual happy if things would make you happy. But Solomon said all of that's vanity and vexation of spirit. And friend, the only thing that will ever fill that void in your life is the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll give you purpose to, for living. In John 10 and 10, the Bible says, The Son of Man came not to, to, came to bring life, and that, might, that He might, gave it more abundantly. He came that we might enjoy that abundant life. And until Christ is in your life, there's going to be something missing. When you eliminate God out of your life, something's missing. And God gives you purpose for living. Jesus gives you purpose for living. And when He gave His Son upon the cross of Calvary, to die because He loved us so, 
He did that we might be redeemed from our sins. The people of Ephesus, to whom Ephesians 1 and 7 was written, to whom Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 were written, were redeemed people. They had been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They had been redeemed because they heard the gospel. Listen to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. In, in whom you also trusted. After that you heard the words of the truth of the gospel. So number one, they, they heard the gospel. They heard the word of truth of the gospel. You'll never be redeemed until you hear the words of truth of the gospel. You have to be exposed to teaching. In John 6, 45, Jesus said, They shall all be taught of God. Everyone that hath heard, hath learned of the Father, cometh unto me. So you have to hear the word of the truth of the gospel. But what did the people in Ephesus do once they heard the, 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 the words of truth of the gospel? Well, they believed it. Listen to the rest of that passage. In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the words of truth of the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, that's in Christ also, after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Not only did they hear the gospel, well, that says they believed the gospel. We're talking about people who had been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. They heard the gospel and they believed what they heard. What else did they do? If you go to the 20th chapter of Acts where we read about the Ephesians to whom the book of Ephesians later was written, Acts 20 and verse 21 says, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. They were taught to repent of their sins. Not only did they hear the word of the truth of the gospel, they believed the word of the truth of the gospel. And repentance was involved in their redemption. The fact is, no one could ever be redeemed from sin so long as he loves his sin. And repentance makes a break with the love of sin. Repentance makes a break with the practice of the deliberate, willful practice of sin. And Jesus said, I tell you, neighbor, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Well, what else did the Ephesians do? Well, we turn again to the book of Acts. This is a written about the Ephesians, to whom the book of Ephesians later was written in Acts 19 and verse 8. And many that... that uh, uh, that uh, believe came and confessed. they showing their deeds. Well, it's important that we confess. We're to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as being the Son of God. As Peter did in Matthew 16 and 16, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And friends, there's not a more noble statement you'll ever make in all of your life than to confess Jesus to be the Son of the living God. And Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. There are people in some parts of the world this very moment who will sacrifice their lives for making such an, an acknowledgement. And then the Ephesians were baptized. Someone says, well, how do you know they were baptized? Well, in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 5, the Bible says they were baptized in the name of the Lord. 
So what did Ephesians do to be redeemed? They heard the gospel, believed the gospel, repented of their sins, they confessed Christ, and they were baptized. And for people to be redeemed from their sins today, that's exactly what they must do. The people on the day of Pentecost, of whom we read in the second chapter of Acts, did just that. Peter preached the gospel to them. They heard that gospel message, and they were pricked in their hearts, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter answered and said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. And according to verse 41, about 3,000 of them were baptized that very same day. And so to be redeemed is a wonderful thing. Have you been redeemed from your sins? You say, well, Brother Lambert, I've already been baptized into Christ. I'm a, I'm a Christian. I'm living the Christian life. Someone says, well, I'm thinking about it. Don't think any longer. Let me urge you to, to be redeemed from your sin by the blood of Jesus, by putting Christ on in baptism. Galatians 3.27, For as many of you who have been baptized into Christ did put on Christ. But then once you do that, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Just shout it to the whole world. I have been redeemed. And we show it with a grateful heart. In the 17th chapter of Luke, there were 10 lepers that confronted Jesus, and, and Jesus healed those lepers. And there was only one that came back to glorify God and to thank Him. Just one out of 10. I want you to think about what Jesus did for those people. He healed them of leprosy, of leprosy, a terrible disease. And only one out of the ten had enough gratitude of heart to say thank you. Don't you really think we need the attitude of gratitude today? I believe the most benighted soul the world has to offer is the ingrate, the person who has no thankfulness in his or her heart. One of the characteristics that Paul wrote about in 2 Timothy chapter 3 where it talks about that know this in the last times, the last days, perilous times shall come. One of them was unthankful. Being unthankful. Not having gratitude for what others do. We ought to be so grateful for, for what other people have done for us. Not to mention what the Lord has done. We ought to be thankful for our parents. I see parents that go down to their later years in life and maybe they go into a, a nursing facility somewhere where other people are taking care of them. I mean, you go in and visit, the, the staff will tell you, well, this person never gets a visit. Their family never comes. Isn't that sad? That here's someone who brought life into the world. Here's a mother who now is in a nursing facility. She can't help herself any longer. And those that she brought into the world are so ungrateful for all the sacrifices that she made. For the fact that she went down into the valley of the shadow of death to bring them into this world. And now when she can't help herself, they turn their backs upon her. Oh, how we need to be grateful for our parents. We need to be grateful for what, what, how those that brought us to the Lord and those that instructed us and taught us. When I think about people that taught me when I was just a lad of a boy living in the great state of Tennessee, in Middle Tennessee, in Columbia, Tennessee, as a matter of fact, I think about a woman who taught me. 
and her name was Sister Louise Hardison, and she was a Sunday school teacher. And she was a splendid teacher. She was also a school teacher, public school teacher. But she taught Sunday school. And I remember the lessons she, she taught. I remember another person who taught me. And it, when I got a little older, and I was in a class of boys, and it was Brother Earl Pilkington. And he was a great man of God. And I remember him sitting down and talking to us just like a father to a son and trying to explain certain things to us. And it made an impression upon me. And I think that, that th th those impressions that are made in the days of our youth for good stay with us for the rest of our lives. We ought to be grateful for people who've taught us in the past. We ought to be grateful for people who've helped us to get where we are today. But most of all, we need to be thankful to God and for what God has done for us. I've often said, and I believe with this from the top of my head to the soles of my feet, that if we are not thankful for what God has done for us, why should God give us anything else? Why should continue to bless us if we're not grateful for what He's already done for us? Oh, how we need to express our gratitude to God. I had an elderly preacher, heard him say this one time, in talking to a group of young preachers, and I happened to be one of those young preachers at the time. And he was talking about our prayers. And he said, prayers need to be filled with thanksgiving. Prayers need to be filled with thanksgiving. Listen to Paul in Philippians 4 and verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. How grateful we ought to be to God for, to God for giving us Jesus, who's made it possible for us to, to, to go to heaven one day. But it made it possible for us to be God's children, to be in the family of God. Made it possible for our sins to be washed away in His precious blood. Made the church possible through His death upon the cross. How thankful we ought to be to God for, uh, for, for the Holy Spirit giving us this book that is inspired of God by the Spirit of God, 2 Timothy 3.16. Oh, if we said nothing else... Let the redeemed say so be a heart of gratitude today. Oh, we, when we go to worship God, our hearts ought to be tuned in to gratitude as we worship Him. And so, let the redeemed say so. Let the redeemed say so by living a godly life. That's how we show the, that, that, that God means something to us. And that shows how much redemption from sin means to us. When we turn away from what has been to that which will be. We turn away from the past to the future. And in the present, we live for God. Listen to Paul when he talked about that in Romans 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by, by the renewing of your minds that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Oh, how we need to turn to God today. Indeed. And we need to be so grateful to God. And we express to God what redemption means to us by living for Him every day. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11 reads like this. The grace of God 
that brings salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Folks, you're a misfit if you're redeemed. If you've been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't really belong in this world. We're just pilgrims passing through. In the words of a song, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. You see, we live a godly life. And there is a tremendous need for godliness today. Somebody says, well, what does that mean to be, live a godly life? You live like God wants you to live. And you strive to the best of your ability to be God-centered and to be Christ-centered. That's not always easy. Because there are so many things around us to get us off of focus. So it's not always easy to live like that. And we have to struggle day in and day out to keep our moorings, to make sure that we're firmly rooted and grounded in love, and that we're not moved off of our focus, that we're not moved off of our intention to live a godly life. Because the pressures are out there. The pressures bear upon us every day of our life, especially our youth. The pressures are there. But listen to Paul again. Be not conformed, be transformed. I liked Philip's translation of that passage. He says, do not allow the world to squeeze you into its mold. Live a godly life. Let the redeemed say so by being devoted to worshiping God. Why do you go to worship on Sunday? You say, well, I go because you're supposed to. Someone says, I go because my mama and daddy make me go. Someone else says, I go because the preacher calls me and to find out why I'm not there if I don't go. I, I go because I have friends there and I, I enjoy visiting with my friends. I, I, I go to church because... Well, when I don't have something else to do, I go to church, Brother Lambert. I don't go all the time, but I, I go some of the time. Are those really valid reasons for going to a worship service on the Lord's Day? I want you to really think about it now. What is it that God has done for us? You say, well, God redeemed us. God redeemed us from sin. So what would have happened to us have God, if God had not redeemed us from our sins? Well, somebody says, well, I'd be lost. Absolutely. Now, don't you really think, because God redeemed us, that when the saints gathered together on the Lord's day to worship, to gather around the Lord's table to commemorate the death and suffering of Jesus on the cross of Calvary, that every child of God ought to be there out of a heart of gratitude and ought to come to worship God, the one who redeemed them, redeemed them from their sins. I think if there's any motivation for going to worship, it's because of God's great love that He had for us. I think when we start trying to explain to people why they ought to go to church, 
We talk about going to church. Really, you don't go to church. You go to worship. I think one of the, we make a mistake when we start dealing with the problem and not the symptom. The reason people do not attend, and, and I read recently only 38% of the American people attend a church service at least once a week. 38%. Only 38%. What's happened? It used to be 40%. In a few years, it'll probably be less than 38%. Unless there's a change deep down in our hearts. If we could only realize what God has done for us. There's no way all the demons in hell could not keep you away from worshiping God on the Lord's day. If you had such a, a, an intense desire in your heart to worship God, out of gratitude, out of love, out of praise. You see, when we come together, it's not just to hear a man talk a few minutes out of the Bible. That's a benefit. But we come to praise God, to adore Him, to show our love, our appreciation for what He has done. Let the redeemed say so by being devoted to worship. And we ought to be like the psalmist of old when he said, I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me, come let us go up unto the house of the Lord. When a person says, I just don't get anything out of it. I go, but I don't get anything out of it. You know, getting something out of a worship service is about like putting money in the bank. It's hard to get money out of the bank if you don't put some in. And the reason some people get nothing out of a worship service is they don't put anything in. And they don't have the love for God, the, the desire to praise Him and to worship Him that they ought to have. Let me ask you, how can you sing a song like Amazing Grace? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Praising God for His amazing grace. And your heart not be stirred that it would bring tears to your eyes. There's something wrong with your heart when you feel that going to worship is a drudgery. Let the redeemed say so by devotion in worship. There's so many ways that we show our, our, our gratitude for our redemption. But I want to thank you for watching today. I want to encourage you to visit the Church of Christ in your community. And also right now, pick up the telephone. Call for the free Bible correspondence course. And if you'd rather, you can take it online as well. But whatever you do, please take the course and learn what God would have you to do to be pleasing to Him. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.com. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at gettingtoknowyourbible at yahoo.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214.
Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible.